Open your Bibles or access your device today to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Today we're going to talk about lifting high the name of Jesus. Now, I preached this message in 1991, March of 1991. Actually, this is the third time I've preached it because also in the year 2001, the day we moved in the worship center, I preached it. So 1991, 2001, 10 years, and now 20 years later, I'm preaching it as my final full message as your pastor. And you know what? 10, 20, I'm going to come back in 30 years when I'm 98 years old and I will preach it again. Michael's already said I have an open invitation for that. So look forward to that. Well, this was the number one requested sermon in the summer reruns, but believe it or not, there was one person that said, well, pastor, while we're doing reruns, I have a request for a rerun of a joke. So here goes. So this lady with a child, young mother, gets on a city bus, and as she's getting on the bus paying her token, the bus driver says, lady, that is the ugliest baby I've ever seen. And she went and sat down by a strange man, and, and the man said, uh, ma'am, I can tell you're upset. What happened? And she said, well, that bus driver just terribly insulted me. So I don't know what to do. And the man said, well, I think you need to go up there and you need to give him a piece of your mind. You, hey, you go right now. I'll hold your monkey. There you go. That's the repeat. You know, through the years, I preached all different kinds of messages. There are uh, practical messages, doctrinal messages, prophetic messages, Uh, But really, this message is a devotional type message in the sense that really the only purpose of this message is to cause you and me to fall deeper in love with Jesus and for us to realize just how much Jesus loves us. So I want us to look here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and we're going to begin reading there. You're welcome to stand with me as we read this passage of Scripture, one of my very favorites. Philippians 2, 5, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God to something to be exploited or, I mean, to be hung on to. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross." For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, I pray as a result of just looking into your word today. Jesus will be here, and Jesus will be preeminent. And Lord, may all of us leave here today more deeply in love with Jesus. I pray in his lovely, matchless name. Amen. Thanks. You may be seated. You know, in our world, it's all about climbing to the top. In fact, my late friend Zig Ziegler Ziegler had a book called Meet You at the Top. Well, with Jesus, it was all about going to the bottom, because he was in the form of God, but didn't hang on to that. Instead, he emptied himself and humbled himself 
and became a man, not only became a man, but he died the most horrible death imaginable, the death of a criminal, the death on a cross. But with God, the way down is up and the way up is down. If you try to exalt yourself, God says, no, you're going down, down, down. But if you humble yourself before the Lord, he will lift you up. And as Jesus humbled himself from the throne of heaven and came down and lived in this garbage dump called planet Earth, after he died and was raised from the dead, God raised him up and has exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name. And we want to talk about that name this morning. I want to say four simple things about the name of Jesus. Number one, Jesus is a simple name. I mean, it's just a simple name. Two syllables in English. It's the Hebrew word Yahshua or Joshua, three words. It was a very common name in the time of Jesus, which means God saves. Now, you know, names are very important. That's why sometimes if people have a name they don't like, they have their name changed. I heard about a guy by the name of William Stinks who went to court to have his name changed. And the judge said, well, sir, I can understand why you want to have your name changed. What are you changing it to? He said, I want to change it to John Stinks. (laughs) And these days when parents are about to have a child, they really work and read websites and read books about what can I name my child? And by the way, in 2021, here are the top Three names for female babies, daughters. Olivia is number one. Emma, Ava is number three. For boys, number one, Liam. Number two, Noah. Number three, Oliver. And I love number four, it is Elijah. But you know the parents of Jesus, Joseph, his stepfather, and Mary, his mother, they didn't have to decide what are we going to name our son because God appeared to Joseph. And this is what he said in Matthew 121. Speaking of Mary, she will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, as like many of you, I've read through this book and we know there are some hard names in this book. In fact, some of you remember 20 years ago when we moved in this building, We read the entire Bible through from front to back. And I actually took the book of Leviticus and Numbers and sat up there in the balcony in the middle of the night reading all of those names. It read like a Hebrew telephone book. And when I came to some of them, instead of saying the names, I would just say hard name, hard name, hard name. You can do that when you're reading through the Old Testament. You can't pronounce the name. Probably my favorite hard name in the Bible is what God told Isaiah in Isaiah 8 to name one of his sons. He said, you shall name your son Meher Halashasbaz. Meher Halashasbaz. And it means God will plunder you by the enemy. Wow, aren't you glad that God didn't name his son Meher Halashasbaz? I mean, I love that Gaither song. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Can you imagine Mayor Hall Shasbaz, Mayor Hall Shasbaz, Mayor Hall Shasbaz. It just doesn't quite work, does it? Or can you imagine praying, I pray this prayer in the name of Mayor Shala Hashbaz? No. The name of Jesus is so simple. It is so elegant. It is so lovely. In fact, I want us all to say it together right now. Let's just say it out loud. Jesus. Can you do that again? 
Jesus. You know, the name of Jesus sounds beautiful coming from the lips of a three-year-old girl singing, Jesus loves me. It sounds elegant coming from the mouth of a man or woman in their late 90s as they're breathing their last breath saying, take me home, Jesus. There is really just something about that name. And it is the name above every other name. It's a simple name. Number two, the name of Jesus is a strong name. Actually, it is a name that is so strong that the devil hates it. Now, you may be surprised about what I want to talk about next, but have you ever noticed that a lot of times people who don't know Jesus and don't love Jesus, they talk about Jesus a lot and they use the name of Jesus a lot? I mean, when somebody hits their thumb with a hammer, they don't say, oh, Muhammad. They don't say, oh, Buddha. They don't say, oh, Moses. They'll say something like, Jesus Christ. Now, why is that? And I hate that because that constitutes profanity, the breaking of the third commandment. But I'll tell you why. Satan hates the name of Jesus so much that he tries to bring shame to the name of Jesus by putting it on the lips of people who don't even know Jesus. I remember a few years ago, some of you know I like to play a little golf. There was a guy I was playing with, and he didn't know me. He didn't know I was a preacher, and he missed a short putt. And he slammed his putter down, and he said, Jesus Christ. And I didn't want to preach to him, so I just said, where, where? I know he's coming back. Is he here? Well, that ended that. But just think about it. That is why the name of Jesus is used in profanity, because the devil, who is the prince of this world, the God of this world, hates that name so much. Now, we got to ask ourselves, why does Satan hate that name so much? Well, it's because in the name of Jesus, he has totally been destroyed. In fact, it says in Colossians chapter 2.15, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, that is Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cro- by the cross. And I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases it in the message. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked to the streets. It's a strong name. The devil hates it. And the Bible says in Luke 17, 10, Jesus told the disciples, go out and the devil and the demons will be subject to you in my name. And when those disciples came back, they said to Jesus, we were amazed that the demons were subject to us in your name. And that's when Jesus said, hey, don't be excited about the devils subject to you in my name. Be excited instead that your names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. You see, because Jesus had victory over the devil, we have victory over the devil in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 4 verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But you see, you must resist him in the name of Jesus. If you try to resist the devil in your name, you'll lose. You try to resist the devil in the name of Christianity, you lose. You resist the devil in the name of Green Acres Baptist Church, you lose. But if you resist the devil in the name of Jesus, he will flee from you. He'll say, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not hanging around here. The name of Jesus is so strong. In fact, one of my favorite verses in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Jesus is a simple name. Jesus is a strong name. It is the name that is above every other name. But number three, Jesus is a saving name. 
You see, everybody has to answer two questions in their life. Number one, how can I live a full and meaningful life? That's question number one. Question number two, how can I spend eternity in heaven when I die? And the answer to both those questions is the same. One word, Jesus. Jesus is the key to living a full and meaningful life right now. And he is the key to spending eternity in heaven when you die. I love that old song by Andre Krauss that we often sing here. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Heard a funny story about a pastor who was doing like a children's sermon. A few kids were up on the stage of the church and he was asking them a question. He said, I'm thinking of a little animal in your yard, you know, that has a bushy tail and eats acorns. So what am I talking about? And there was no answer. He said, you know, it climbs trees and stores acorns. And one little girl said, well, preacher, I know the answer is supposed to be Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. (laughs) Well, she was right because the answer is Jesus. He's the answer for a full and meaningful life right now. You see, I want to remind you, eternal life doesn't begin when you die. Eternal life begins when you meet Jesus because that's what it is. It's knowing Jesus. I've said before, the Christian life is so much more than pie in the sky by and by. It's steak on your plate while you wait. And he's not only the key, the answer for a full and meaningful life right now, he also is the key to spending eternity with Jesus in heaven. Because you see, the Lord has a name. In fact, I want to misread a verse of scripture. It's going to be on the screen and I'm going to misread it. I want you to notice how I misread it. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. Did you notice what I left out? It doesn't say whoever calls upon the Lord will be saved. It says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Because see, the Lord has a name and there's salvation only in that name. You know, through the years, I've heard people talk about God and all these strange names. They talk about the man upstairs. Hey, you know, me and the man upstairs, we're, we're, we're tied. Or they talk about, hey, yeah, the good Lord. Yeah, I'm okay with the good Lord and thank the good Lord. And well, he is good and he's good all the time. But the man upstairs and the good Lord has a name and his name is Jesus. And you're saved by calling upon the name of the Lord and the name of the Lord is Jesus. There's not salvation in religion. There's not salvation in Christianity. There's not salvation in a church. There's salvation only in the name of Jesus. This is what Peter preached in Acts chapter 4. He said, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And so the answer to the question, how do I live a full and meaningful life right now? It's knowing Jesus. That's what eternal life is. John 17, 3, Jesus prayed, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and know the one that you have sent, Jesus Christ. And the only access into heaven is through Jesus. Should you ever stand before God and he says, why should I let you into heaven? Be sure that some part of your answer is Jesus, because he is not only the simple name, strong name, he's the saving name. He's the name above every other name. And then number four, Jesus is the supreme name. That means he is, as the Bible says, he is the name above every other name. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that he is supreme in its position. His name is supreme in its position. 
Have you ever thought about it? There have been a lot of historical characters who have called themselves great or who were called great. There was Cyrus the Great. There was Alexander the Great. There was Herod the Great. There was even Catherine the Great and Peter the Great, but none of these were truly great because they had flaws in their moral character. And Muhammad Ali even said, I am the greatest. But there is only one figure of human history who's ever lived who's truly great, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it says in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is great, and his name alone deserves greatness. Now, you see, you think about all the great human individuals who've ever lived. Nobody truly stands alone except Jesus, because when you find a great historical character, you can always find somebody else who's almost as good and almost as great. Of course, Plato was a great philosopher, but so was Socrates. Demosthenes was a great orator, but so was Cicero. Raphael was a talented painter, but so was Michelangelo and uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Shakespeare was a great writer, but also uh, there was John Milton and John Bunyan. And when it comes to impressionist painters, Monet, he was wonderful, but also was Renoir and also Van Gogh. Any great person, you can find somebody else that stands equal with them. Think about presidents. George Washington was a great president, but so was Abraham Lincoln, and so was Thomas Jefferson. People call Michael Jordan the GOAT, the greatest of all time, but you also have to put right beside him Ty Cobb and not even Simone Biles. Anybody else in life that you find who is great, you can always find someone who's just about as great and just about as good. The only one who stands alone in greatness is Jesus Christ. You know, one of my great heroes in the ministry as I was growing up was Dr. R.G. Lee, who for 33 years was pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. This is what he said about the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus occupies a singular place of supremacy above all the names in this universe. Jesus is without peer in his character and in his name. God has given him a name above every other name. If you piled up all the notable names of earth's finest people until you had a mountain of human greatness higher than Everest, the greatness and glory of the name of Jesus would have to descend a million miles downward to touch the top of this anthill we call human greatness. Amen and amen. Dr. Lee had a way of saying things that nobody else could match. You know, Jesus is, he's all, and he's all in all. He's, he's all encompassing. This is what Jesus said about himself in Revelation 1.8. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, if you know anything about Greek language, You know that Alpha is the first letter in the Greek language, and Omega is the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega and everything in between. You you know we get our word alphabet from the first two letters in the Greek alphabet? Alpha, beta, alphabet, that's where we get it. Think about the English alphabet, 26 letters. Think about all those 26 letters, just 26 letters. 
Every word that's ever been written uses those 26 letters. And words lead to sentences, which lead to pages, which leads to chapters, which leads to books, which leads to libraries, which changes cultures. All the English books in the history of the world have all been written using just those 26 letters. And so that's why one of the first things we learn as children in school, we learn our ABCs. And I think all of you know them frontwards and backwards, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, Q, R, S, T, V, U, T, W, X, Y, Z. You know backwards too, Z, Y, X, W, V, U, T, S, R, Q, P, O, M, N, L, K, J, I, H, J, F, E, D, C, B, A, right? Well, at least you know it frontwards, right? So what does that mean? That means that Jesus, he's A to Z and everything in between. And what does that mean? That means he is the Alpha. He is Adonai. He's the Almighty. He is the Ancient of Days. He's the Babe of Bethlehem. He's the bright and morning star. He's the branch of righteousness. He's the bishop of our souls. Jesus is the balm of Gilead. He is the crucified one. He is the chosen one. He is the chief shepherd. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's despised and rejected. He is our deliverer. He's the desire of all the nations. Jesus is our deed to eternal life. He is Emmanuel. He's El Shaddai. He's the eternal one, the exalted one. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. He's the first. He's the finisher of our faith. He's the foundation of the church. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus is the friend of sinners. He's God. He's good. He's our guide. He's the great shepherd. Jesus is, is good and always good. He's our hope. He's our helper. He's our healer. He's the head of the church. Jesus is the highest name there can ever be. He's the great I am. He is the great infinite one. He is immortal, invisible. Jesus is our inheritance. He is Jesus. He's our judge. He's our joy. He's our justifier. Jesus is Jehovah Jireh. He's our king. He's our king of kings. He's the king of glory. He's the keeper of the keys of death and Hades. He's the Lord. He is life. He's love. He's light. He's the light of the world. He's the lawgiver. He's the liberator. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and Jesus is the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's the master. He's the mediator. He's the Messiah. Jesus is the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He's the Nazarene. He's the new wine. He's the new covenant. Jesus is the name above every other name. He is Omega, the only begotten of the Father. He is omnipotent. He is our offering for sin. He's the prophet. He's the priest. He's the Passover lamb. He's the prince of peace. Jesus is the pearl of great price. He's the quieter of the storms of life, and he's the quick and powerful word of God. He's the redeemer. He's our refuge. He's the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the rock of ages cleft for me. Jesus is the savior. He's the suffering servant. He's the sinless sacrifice. He's the son of God, the son of man. He's the stone which the builders rejected. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. He's our treasure. He's the truth. He's the teacher. He's the testator of the will of God. Jesus is our tabernacle. Jesus is God's unspeakable gift. He's the unblemished lamb. He's the unction of the spirit. Jesus is the unchanging God. He's the vine. He's the vicarious substitute. He's the victor over death and the grave. Jesus is our very present help in times of trouble. He's the way. He's the word become flesh. He's the witness. His name is wonderful. 
He is the expected Messiah of the Old Testament and the exalted King of the New Testament. He's our yoke fellow, yesterday, today, and forevermore the same. Hallelujah. He is Zion's holy King from A to Z, and everything in between, Jesus is all and in all. Hallelujah. Not only is Jesus supreme in the name of Jesus, supreme in its position, it is supreme in its profession. Because the Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I just want you to kind of touch both your knees for a second. Every one of those knees, we're all going to bow. Think about your, your lips and mouth for just a moment. These mouths. And every knee that's ever been born, every tongue that's ever been born, everyone will confess Jesus is Lord. Adolf Hitler will declare Jesus is Lord. Charles Manson will declare Jesus is Lord. Satan himself will declare Jesus is Lord. But you see, my friend, there's a huge difference between saying Jesus is the Lord and Jesus is my Lord. Because those of us that say now, Jesus is my Lord, we make that profession in joy. But all of those who don't know Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean they'll go to heaven by confessing Jesus is Lord. They'll pronounce it in judgment. It's like that time when Jesus appeared to the disciples after the resurrection and Thomas wasn't there. And they said, hey, Thomas, you missed it. Jesus was here. And Thomas said, well, I'm not going to believe until I can put my hand in his nail prints and my hand in the wound in his side. A week later, Jesus appeared. Here you go. Thomas, check me out. And Thomas fell on his knees, and this is what he professed. My Lord and my God. Can you say today, Jesus is my Lord? It's all the difference in the world between saying Jesus is the Lord. That just means he's sovereign. And saying Jesus is my Lord. It's like the difference between saying the Lord is a shepherd and the Lord is my shepherd. You know, I I love Renaissance art and probably the greatest sculptor of the 15th century was the Italian master Donatello, who really truly influenced Michelangelo. In fact, Michelangelo's David was really a copy of an earlier sculpture by Donatello. And one of Donatello's most famous sculptures is there in the Museum of the Omo in Florence, Italy, and I saw it two years ago. He did a sculpture that's called Zucconi in Italian, which actually it's a sculpture of the prophet Habakkuk. And it is said that when Donatello finished the sculpture, it was so real and it was so lifelike that after he made the final chisel with the hammer, he stepped back and he uttered these words. He said, now speak, man, speak. But those marble lips remained silent. And just two years ago, again, I can testify, those marble lips are still silent. But one day, the God of the universe is going to say those words, now Speak, man. Now speak, woman. And every creature in heaven, on earth, above the earth, under the earth, every creature will say, Jesus is Lord and God will be glorified. But the choice is yours. Will you make that confession in joy now or in judgment later? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the name of Jesus, the saving name, the strong name, the simple name, and that supreme name. And today, Lord, 
I confess, Lord Jesus, you are my Lord. And I pray that everyone here will make that personal confession that Jesus is Lord. Father, if there's anyone here today that has never made that confession, may this be the day of salvation for them. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.